family. And so you keep that open in front of you. Let's pray. We look at it together. Father God, thank you so much for all that we have been seeing of the Lord Jesus Christ, for his great power, authority. We pray that today, too, we would see that again. And that as we see him, that you would again help us to respond rightly to him. In Jesus' name. Well, I imagine we all know the, uh, the frustration of having lost something and you're desperately trying to find it. Maybe you want to, should we go for this mic? That's kind of a bit crazy. Looking for something desperately and not being able to find it. Uh, we've definitely had a number of those searches. And sometimes you get to that point where you know you just got to give something up the lost cause. It is a hopeless case. Now, of course, there can be a lot more serious hopeless cases than that. I was reading a novel, actually, but the, the main character's brother was a drug, drug addict and it even used the, the, the phrase, he used the lost cause um, because they've tried to help so many times and got nowhere. And it could be if it, things, that says people, things in our lives, yeah, yeah, when uh, the, the, the medical diagnosis goes from very bad to terminal, Something creeps over from uh, desperate to, to hopeless. There's simply nothing. And there may be things that you at the moment are, face, are facing that seem, feel like that. But if you were here last week, uh, and, and today, sorry, we, we're going to meet two further cases of hopeless cases in absolutely desperate situations. But if you were here last week, you can probably imagine actually how they're going to turn out. Because you remember last week we saw the disciples and Jesus in that huge storm and he calmed the storm and it was still. And then you had the demon-possessed man, possessed by many demons, doing, inflicting great, heart, great destruction upon him and, with the words, they're gone. And as we'll see again this, this morning, Jesus is able to save even in those hopeless situations. And, and, and today perhaps is the clearest examples of it. From your talk notes, you'll see that the first, uh, the first heading is simply hopeless situations. Hopeless situations. We find two people, and in one sense their situations couldn't be more different. The people were utterly different. And yet, at the same time, their situations were very, very much similar. Jesus and his disciples, they've crossed back over the lake. They've had a much smoother crossing this time back. And unlike the people of the Gerasenes who were desperate for Jesus to leave them, well, here the people can't wait for Jesus to come back. They're there. They're waiting for him. They're welcoming him. And one man particularly is doing so. Have a look down at verse 41. And there came a man named Jairus, who was a ruler of the synagogue. And falling at Jesus' feet, he implored him to come to his house. For he had an only daughter, about 12 years of age, and she was dying. So here's Jairus, 
a synagogue leader. Um, as a synagogue leader, he would have been very much respected by the people of that town. A man of position, of responsibility. And yet respected as he is, he thinks absolutely nothing of falling down on his knees in front of everybody before Jesus. Why? What is, for, for many people, the, the worst scenario? Daughter is dying. The only daughter is dying. And Luke, the doctor, he, he tells us this. this isn't a, she doesn't need a trip to the GP. This is an ambulance. This is blues and twos. She's dying. It's a desperate situation. So Jesus and the others, they, they set off. And it must have been absolute torture for that man. Because they're, he's, as they're setting off, they're, tr- they're forcing their way through the crowds. The crowds are pressing in, wanting to, to see Jesus, to touch him, to hear from him. Like that ambulance that's got the lights flashing and is stuck in traffic. And it gets worse for Jairus because this ambulance stops off to treat somebody else. So here we're introduced to our se- second hopeless case. In her case, it might not have been as time-sensitive as Jairus' daughter, but it was terrible nonetheless. So verse 43, And there was a woman who had a discharge of blood for 12 years, and though she spent all her living on physicians, she could not be healed by anyone. This woman is bleeding, gynecological illness. For 12 years. I, I think we can read that. Um, but just, just to comprehend that, what were you doing 12 years ago? I just arrived as a fresh-faced associate at Lionstown. What were you doing 12 years ago? Think about 12 years. And think about all that has happened since 12 years ago. And this woman has been bleeding for that long. It's hard to imagine what she was going through. And again, Luke the doctor tells us how hopeless her case is. You see that as I read it in verse 43. Um, She spent all of her living on physicians. She could not be healed by anyone. She'd spent all of her money seeking out treatment for this, and no one has been able to do her any good. Terrible physical suffering. But more than that, she was, uh, um, in Jewish terms, she was unclean. Because according to the law of Moses... Because of the sacredness of blood and the connection of blood and life and death and sacrifices, uh, a woman on her period was unclean for that time. And so bleeding for these 12 years, she would have been actually unclean. With that sense of shame, which probably explains why in a minute we'll see that she tries to kind of approach Jesus in secret. But being unclean, she was unable to take part in in religious life. She wasn't able to go into the temple and be part of the things there. She wasn't able to touch people, because if she touched them, then her uncleanness would travel to them. So as such, she is an outcast. She tried everything, this outcast who tried everything, and she was in this hopeless case. Living, you don't need me to tell you this, but living in this broken world... Things go wrong. And there are hopeless situations. There are lost, what seem like lost causes. But with Jesus, there is no such thing as a hopeless case. Because 
As we see again now, Jesus is this powerful saviour. As our second point. So firstly, we see these two hopeless situations. And here we see now the powerful saviour. Desperate as this woman is, she has a plan. So verse 44, she came up behind him and touched the fringe of his garment. And immediately her discharge of blood ceased. She has this plan. She goes up to Jesus. She reaches out. She touches just the corner of his garments. And she is healed. Twelve long years of pain, of shame, of frustration. Twelve years of trying these new treatments, spending all of her money and getting absolutely nowhere. She touches Jesus' robe and she's healed. The blood stops. She knows that she is better. Again, we see here the power of Jesus that this woman, even touching the cord of his garment, would be healed. And Jesus, though, he knows that the power has gone out of him. And so, in verse 45, uh, and Jesus said, who was it who touched me? And Peter and all of the other disciples were a bit confused, like, Jesus, we're in a crowd. Everyone's touching you. What on earth do you mean? For Jesus knows that this was different. Now it could be, it could be that Jesus didn't know who touched him in his humanity. It could be that he didn't know who touched him. I don't think it was. I think he knew exactly what happened. But he wanted to draw this woman out of the crowds. See, she's afraid. Imagine she's afraid that Again, that sense of shame. And, but again, by touching Jesus, she would have made him unclean. So it would have been a rude, even outrageous thing for, for, to do. But, have a look down at verse 47. And when the woman saw that she was not hidden, she, she came trembling. And falling down before him, she declared in the presence of all the people why she had touched him and how she had been immediately healed and wonderfully rather than being offended by her Jesus responds with these wonderful words verse 48 and he said to her daughter your faith has made you well go in peace daughter your faith has made you well go in peace you see instead of her uncleanness uncleanness transferring to Jesus his cleansing transferred to her and he uses that that remarkable not not used very often at all that daughter this tender close uh, uh, intimate words he says that daughter your faith has healed you now, the, the word um, heal, uh, sorry, verse 48, yeah, um, your faith has made you well. That, that word for made well is, is the word that we've seen once before, which is um, he is, has saved you. So it can indeed mean healed, but it also has this other meaning of, of um, being saved. And we have a number of words throughout this passage for being restored, made well, being healed. But this one here, if you glance back a page to 750, 
how we know that this isn't just simply you've been made better. Because we saw these, this exact, exact phrase with another woman, just back in chapter 7. Do you remember they had that sinful woman? And look down to verse 50, and he said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Exactly the same words, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. You see, what's happened to this woman is actually something even greater and bigger than she'd ever dreamed of. Not only is she physically restored, she has been saved. Hence why she can go in peace. No more toil, no more turmoil, no more shame. And this restored relationship with Jesus. This hopeless situation for the woman. What seemed hopeless... But Jesus is this powerful saviour who can save in the most desperate of cases. But as wonderful as this is for her, which is truly wonderful, you can imagine now how Jairus would have been feeling. Come on, Jesus. Come on. You said you were coming. And you you think about how worked up we get in traffic jams. It makes us late for a meeting. His daughter's dying. Come on, Jesus. And sure enough, this delay has the ultimate cost. Verse 49. While he was still speaking, someone from the ruler's house came and said, Your daughter is dead. Do not trouble the teacher anymore. Moving beyond the fact it's the most tactless statement of all time. Whatever hope that he had is now gone. It's gone from this desperate to, to hopeless. She's dead. Jesus, you could have done something, but it's, it's too late. What a costly delay this has been. The last chance has gone. You can imagine his devastation. But once again, Jesus intervenes. Verse 50. But Jesus, on hearing this, answered him, Do not fear, only believe, and she will be well. Don't fear, only believe, she will be well. Believe. Trust me. Have faith in me, Jesus says. Now this is a whole new level of faith. Not just to heal somebody, but to raise somebody. That is a big call. Like what does Jairus think of Jesus? Is he this, this teacher that some of them don't bother the teacher? Is he this teacher? Is he this man? Okay, well, he's just seen him do this remarkable miracle. He's just healed this, this woman who's been bleeding for 12 years. Is he only, though, this powerful man who can do good, he can heal, but is as hopeless as the next person in the face of death? Well, maybe Jesus' stop with this woman wasn't a thoughtless distraction. Maybe actually this is to teach Jairus, to teach us something. Like he's seen what extraordinary thing Jesus can do, well, maybe he can do it for his daughter too. Even though it's gone from desperate to truly hopeless. And when they arrive back, you know, again, Jairus's stomach must have dropped, absolutely confirmed she is dead. She's, he's met by a crowd of people. They're weeping, they're mourning. It doesn't get more hopeless than this. But Jesus says something odd. Have a look at verse 52. And they were all weeping and mourning for her. 
But he said, do not weep, for she is not dead, but sleeping. She is not dead, but sleeping. And understandably, the people don't get it. So verse 53, uh, and they laughed at him. They mocked him. I don't know if it was a good joke. No, no, they, they mocked him. Uh, and they laughed at him, knowing that she was dead. But, verse 54, but taking her by the hand, he called, saying, Child, arise. And her spirit returned, and she got up at once. And he directed that something should be given her to eat. Just as the woman had been healed, well, so this little girl arises, just like that. And everything returns to normal. I think that's the, the point of Luke's little detail there. He's given something to eat. She, she's back, and starting normal life again. Again, what a powerful saviour Jesus is, that with just the gentle words, child arise, and a touch, this girl comes back from the dead. And again, in those days, touching a dead body was a big no-no. No, you touched a dead, dead body, well, then you became unclean. And yet, once again here, we see Jesus, as it were, was shared her death in order to deliver her from it. And he touched her, he shared in it and rose her from it. Which again is in a greater picture of what we would do at the end of his life, as he would share in the death of his people, dying in their place, in order to raise to life. And death is, as we say, death is mankind's greatest enemy. People go to great lengths to try and avoid it, don't they? Any kind of fitness regimes and diets, just to try and prolong it a little bit. They won't succeed. There's been great medical advances, which is wonderful. But they won't put it off. I talked about this. I came across this quote from Simon Cowell um, about being cryogenically frozen. Um, he, he said, look, medical science is bound to work out a way of bringing us back to life in the next century or so. And I want to be available when they do. I would be doing the nation an invaluable service. <laughs> Top works for humility. Uh, Tom marks for optimism, but, but it won't. It won't. Death is this all-conquering foe, but for Jesus, raising this 12-year-old girl to life is no more difficult than waking her up in the morning. Child, arise. I do want to be clear also that this girl was dead. Okay, Jesus wasn't giving this alternative diagnosis when he said she's just sleeping. She's not in a coma. No, she was dead. But when, she tell, when Jesus tells the mourners that she's sleeping, he's telling us something so important, so wonderful. That real death is not separation between soul and body. It's separation between soul and God. And that's why the person who's the life and soul of a party can be dead. And yet the person with no heartbeats can be sleeping. You see, for, for Christians, dying is but sleeping. It is something to be woken up from. Because Jesus has power over death. He's shown it here. He proved it himself at the cross and then rising again himself three days later, which guarantees, proves, secures that 
for all of his people. He's this powerful saviour. So hopeless situations, this powerful saviour, which means that there is no truly hopeless situation with Jesus. And so, the final point on our handouts there, so have faith. Because Jesus wants us to know how it is that we should respond to him as he is. Have faith. Let's take the, the, the woman first. Again, what, what was different between her touch and all of the other people in the crowd who were pressing around, kind of bumping into him and whatever? Why was it that her illness suddenly just, just went like that? Well, again, come back and look at verse 48 again, where he says to her, Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. Your faith has made you well. You see, Jesus explains what she probably couldn't even explain herself. But, but she had faith in him. We're not told anything about her theological understanding. The impression we get is it's distinctly kind of superstitious, you know, just touch his garments. But as uninformed, perhaps superstitious it may be, her faith is real. She believed that Jesus could do something about her hopeless situation. And he did. I do want to say, if you're here, if you're intrigued by Jesus from what you've heard of him, and you've heard this call for faith to trust in him for yourself, but you've still got those questions. You still have unanswered uh, questions in your minds. Well, don't feel like you need to have absolutely everything sorted in your mind before you trust him. Act on what you know now. Come to him. You can keep asking your questions, keep filling in the blanks. And that is at least partly why I think that Jesus is so intent in drawing this woman out. He doesn't want her to walk away physically better, but none the wiser to himself. He doesn't want her walking away thinking, wow, there's great power in Jesus' cloak. No, the power is in Jesus. He wants her to know that faith is the important thing. But yes, she wanted healing and wholeness. Well, Jesus wanted the same thing, but at a far even deeper level. Again, he's not just content with her being physically restored, but he wants her to be spiritually restored as well. He wants her to, to draw her into this relationship with himself. Jesus is not this spiritual vending machine. You pop in enough faith and out pops whatever you ask for. Jesus wants relationship with his people. And so he draws this woman out. So that's the woman. How about the about Jairus with his daughter? Again, come back to verse 50, where on hearing that she's died, he says to, her, to, says to him, do not fear, only believe, and she will be well. Don't fear, believe. They're great words to hear. They're great words for us to hear too today. If we're going through these really troublesome and difficult things. Look, this isn't a blanket promise that, look, if you believe enough, if your belief is strong enough, then Jesus will sort out your situation. Now remember, um, believe and she will be saved. The same, same word that we saw before. But we can draw that same comfort that Jairus would have. That with Jesus, because Jesus is the same Jesus, same powerful saviour, there is no hopeless situation.
And with Jesus, death is no longer to be feared. That greatest of enemies, it's no longer to be feared because he has defeated it. With him, in the face of death, that we, we can remember that to die is simply to fall asleep. And the very worst thing that could happen to us is that actually but the entrance to life. And so will we have faith in Jesus like the woman did, like Jairus did, trusting Jesus to do the impossible even, that he is able and willing to act even in the most hopeless of cases. And two two things have struck me about faith from this passage. The first is that um, trusting Jesus, faith is trusting, to Je- trusting Jesus to do what is very unlikely. You know, when the girl had died, all the, the crowd laughed at him, and it, it was over. So faith is trusting Jesus to do something very unlikely. It is trusting him to save a sinful person like me and to give me life both now and for eternity. But that is what faith is, trusting Jesus when he says it will be okay, even when we can't see how it would be. So in one sense, is it's, this, it's, it's trusting to, to do things that seem so unlikely, but in another sense, faith is so totally reasonable that it has such solid grounding because Jesus has proved that he is trustworthy. When he says to us, trust in me, have faith in me, well, we look back and see how he calmed the storm. We look back how, and see how he cast out demons. We look back and see how he healed, saved this woman who'd been uh, ill for 12 years. We look back and see how Jesus had raised the girl from death. Now, the grounding of our faith is rock solid. We see what Jesus has done and so we can trust him. Just one last thing I want us to see. Is, is how Luke has arranged, first off, these four stories all together, but particularly these last two. These things are interwoven together, to together, interwoven together to show us what salvation means. What is the salvation that Jesus has come to bring? Well, no death, no fear, no shame. See, what ultimately means that we, we don't need to cry or be afraid or feel guilt is the fact that Jesus is the powerful saviour. And so, to the sinful woman, you can say, your faith has saved you, go in peace. To this woman who'd been ill for these 12 long years, he says to her daughter, your faith has made you well, has saved you, go in peace. Well, he says to Jairus, Do not fear, only believe. It is ultimately because of the salvation that Jesus brings that we can do those things. You see, this Jesus is far big enough. He is worthy of our trust. With him there is no lost cause. Let's pray. Dear Lord Jesus, we praise you for your authority and might. You are the one who has dealt with death most fully uh, by going through it yourself and rising to life. We thank you that that great enemy has been defeated by you, that we don't need to be afraid. Lord, please would you help us to trust you, trust in uh, you and all that we've seen you do. 
In Jesus' name for your glory. Amen.